And welcome to today's episode of Big Tech Small Biz, the show where we invite small business owners from the great state of Texas onto the program to discuss what they do, how they got there, what they learned about business, and even more importantly, what they learned as they walked with God along the way, and whatever other cool stuff we discover as well. I am your host, Ryan Holland, along with co-host, Justin Parks. Justin. I'm ready. Good. This is this is a Texas I'm podcast. Ready. I feel bad for our guest already. But hey, <laughs> I, I, I'm excited. We're on episode four of our podcast now, so we're still pretty new. Uh, but I think we're at the point where we're probably wondering, was this a good idea in, in, in the first place, Justin? Are, are we yeah, at, I don't know. I don't know if this I, is a good idea. Okay. Is it? Well, well I, I don't know. Even if the podcast isn't a good idea, I think it'll all be worth it for the guest that I we're agree. having on today. Even if nobody listens to it, which we know that, of course, is, is not true. But for the guest that we're having on today, I'm absolutely thrilled. Um, he is Daryl Youngblood. Daryl is the owner of Duotone Productions, a music production company and video producer and editor for Real Content Solutions. And here's where it really gets crazy. Uh, this guy was actually... Uh, nominated you ready for this justin what is it what are is you it? ready i'm ready he, he, he was nominated for something and i it's kind of hard for me to believe that we have somebody who's been nominated for this thing here was it a dundee did he get nominated for a dundee no that although that that would have made the podcast all Even worth better. it as well right. um but there's something else he was nominated for a grammy okay what you didn't tell me this. He was he was he was nominated for a, a Grammy, like a real Grammy, like like the Grammys that they do in the big city, like in the big cities, yeah. like okay, wow, okay, like so o- like find out about like that. Oklahoma City, you know, like the big cities or like Beaumont. I mean, these are oh, the, he got nominated for a Beaumont Grammy. Yeah, well, no, I'm just I'm just saying I'm I'm making the correlation, uh, Justin. I'm making the correlation that that this is a big thing. This is uh, a, it is a big thing. It, so it, I want to find out. I'm yeah, I want to find out more about that. Um. Uh, and here's where it gets even more more interesting. I'm I'm just I'm pinching myself today. Uh, he's had five number one uh, national radio hits. Five what? number one like across the nation, like the kind of stuff. No way. Casey Kasem would have been talking about. No way. Yeah. No, it's true. It's true. Um, that that's our guess. And we're not even going to mention actually his. Uh, he won uh, an Oscar for for best supporting actor. Now you're starting no, to no, lie, no, Ryan. No, 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 for I think it was Pirates of the Caribbean. I think he got for, or was that? Um, I think you're confusing him with somebody. Was else. that Orlando Bloom? Or I, yeah, I think I'm pretty. Didn't Orlando Bloom? I think you're went starting in, to fall like off the rails. 2000. Okay, okay. Anyway, we uh, yeah, we'll have to talk about his Oscar uh, nomination later, ladies and gentlemen. Daryl Youngblood is with us. Daryl, welcome. Good morning, to the sh- gentlemen. <laughs> Howdy, as Welcome I say. to the show. We've all had way too much coffee this morning, so it's going to make it. Some of even. us not enough. But. Yeah, well, I'm on. I'm on number three. So uh, <laughs> yeah, he's hyped. He's <laughs> I, hyped. I'm hyped and I'm excited. Um, I also want to mention that Daryl is the founder of RDOF, which stands for Rational Defense of Faith, um, and they put on some incredible apologetics events, which we're going to talk about later as well. 
Um, and also that Daryl actually has a special connection to CGM Radio, which of course is the uh, producer of this podcast, CGMRadio.com. So we're going to kind of tease that now and talk about that at the end. So why don't we why don't we jump in, um, Daryl? Why don't uh, maybe you give us a uh, a minute or two on on what you do now, and okay. then we'll kind of go back to the beginning and go through the process of and, and the kind of the history of, of how you got there. Okay. Well, right now I kind of do multiple things. I'm a music producer, so I produce uh, all different genres of music, um, hip hop, R&B, country, dance, and rock. I do that um, now less than I had because I've also kind of entered into doing music or uh, video production and editing and um, a little bit of directing. And so I, this, you know, my my world is is uh, audio, video across the board. Uh, I work with um, a great company called Real Content Solutions, and I do video editing and some music also for them and uh, production. Um, and then you know I, I just kind of uh, pick and choose now as far as uh, I, you know audio production, music production projects. Um, you know, I'm a little bit more selective now just because, you know, I like a little time with my family. Yeah, uh, that's important. But yes, absolutely. So that's, you know, that's the the body of what I do. And, I, and then I also have my ministry, RDOF. Mm. And that's pretty much everything. But it's all media. All of it's media driven. <laughs> so my first question for you would be, do you have a home studio? I have, yes. I have a studio that's built uh, next to a home. Okay. Uh, out um, out nor- on the north side. And uh, so it's, uh, now at my home... At my home in the woodlands, I actually have a video editing studio, but there's a bona fide studio in the, on the north side called Duotone Productions. Oh, so great. I have two places. Nice. Yeah. So what kind of, like, I want to go back to the very beginning. Like, I want to find out, like, what kind of kid were you in school? Like, <laughs> how real can I get? You can get so real. You can get, get real. Pr- just leave out it any expletives. You know, it's a family-friendly show. I was actually, um, I was into sports, played football for about six years. Uh, I was a, a heavier kid. And so when I was younger, um, I was always the bigger, heavier kid in the class. It had a complex about it. And uh, grew up, you know, as they would say, husky, right? It's <laughs> a nice way of putting yes. it. Yes. Yeah. And, so I, I, uh, and so I just naturally got into sports because I was bigger than other kids. And, and I love sports. And so I did that through high school. As far as um, personality, I was shyer, a bit insecure, I would say. That's amazing. And so, yeah, it, I, and I. Uh, You're not husky anymore. Just well, thank for you. The, for our thank listeners, nor, he's not nor husky do you at all. appear he's... shy and insecure <laughs> either. So, this is, this <laughs> well, is, this is, this will be a fascinating story of it, transformation. It's interesting. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, but I, I, I always kind of, talk to myself when I, and when I became a musician, which was after I, I, uh, was in football, got in a motorcycle racing, uh, got in a really bad wreck. Um, and my dad said, you're selling it. Why don't you find something else to do? So I got a guitar and, uh, and then, you know, I would just, instead, I didn't have a big social life. So I would just sit and play guitar for six hours a day and, you know, got, got pretty good at that. Mm -hmm. And then I started getting into music at that point. And then I, I got in a band early on, and uh, we kind of played Christian shows. And through that process, um, we kind of got the attention of KSBJ, which is a radio station out here. Um, do you want this whole story? This yeah. Kind of yeah. Where, how, I, yeah, I also so, would like to hear a little bit about your conversion story of, as well, like wh- how you how you came to Christ, whenever you okay. feel like that's appropriate well, to put it's, in. Well, it's kind of, at this point in my life, 
in a way already happened because I grew up, you know, in a Christian family. My father was a scientist. He's the mentor of my life. Um, he was a scientist who was brilliant. And, and I talk about him all the time. He was in college for five years and had a PhD in organic chemistry and a master's in physics. In five years? In five years. Wow. Yes. Like off the charts, you know, crazy, like, <laughs> not like he's the guy that would, um, He's not going to go play a golf game or go shoot pool with the guys. He's gonna he's gonna read a science paper, you know. He's like, but but a brilliant writer as well. He wrote uh, historical fiction, and uh, oh, just wow. really really across the board amazing. And so um, I always grew, I grew up in that household. So I just kind of always believed. But then of course, like everyone else, you go through a process in your life to where you um, you know you kind of question or, or or in my case it wasn't really question it was those times in in your life where your faith like do you really believe this or is this something that you were brought up with and so I went through a process like that in my uh, first in my early 20s and then the you know distinguishing a belief versus a daily walk and so it was probably uh, in my 20s where I made that distinction and so am, am I walking daily with Christ rather than this, something I believe in my back pocket? And so that all hap- kind of happened in the same time as my music career uh, kind of started. And that was, uh, I was uh, in, I got a full scholarship to go study composition music. And I, at the same time, our band uh, was playing some shows and we got offered a record deal, my first record deal. Decisions, decisions. Yes. Wow. So, so, so <laughs> my professor actually said, you know, you need to, you need to go for the deal. You need to, oh, you wow. need to leave college and, you know, and and go. Like, and, you can always come back to college, yeah, right? Like, you can't, yeah. uh, you That's, can't yeah. always go back to a record. So, deal. was that good advice? And, so, Obviously, it was. If, if it's, I think, I, you know, it all culminated to where I think I am where God wants me. Mm. So, I think so. And you know, you never know. You you can't go back and try to figure that out. But I have been blessed to have a career doing what I love, and uh, you know, able to feed my family and and live well. And you know, doing artistry, which is tough. It's very difficult to do that. And so, and it also spawned a ministry that I think I was meant to do. And so, yes, I think that no uh, question. You know, yes, that exactly. So. Uh, I did. I, I took his advice, and I got. We signed a deal, and then we started the the process of. Um, I was in three different bands, and we had some success with some singles and touring, and got to do some fun stuff. And um, had now, re- were you lead singer of this? I thing? was. I was the singer of this band, and uh, three different bands. It just kind of morphed through the process. You know, it, it, I don't know if we're going to get into all the details of which bands or yeah, whatever. Well, but I would love to know what was the first hit. Like, what was the first hit that you it was wrote? A, it was a song called Love, and it was uh, we had this genre that we kind of came up with, and this was in, like, 96, you know, so I'm dating myself, and it was called Groove Intensive Funk Rock, and it, so it was kind of like this this rock with this little bit of a groove dance edge to it. And so there's this song that was reminiscent of like 70s disco kind of mixed with 90s rock. Mm-hmm. And it was called Love and um, and it just it did really well. And and so that, that band was called Imagine This. And mm-hmm. so um, and then we had several other singles on that record. And then I went to a band called Lloyd and we had two number one singles with that that band. And that was a different record label. And, and so that would, that would be more in like 90, 98, 99. 
So how do you transition from one band to another? Is it because you have creative differences or because the... You get dropped from a record label. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's one way. Yeah. So that was was it for us. You know, our first... Touring is tough. You know, we're... Uh, it seems glamorous, and we've had our time, a little bit of time in tour buses, but most of touring at that level, especially being in a Christian band in the 90s, was being in the back of a Ford van for, you know, 150 play dates throughout a year, which that that doesn't include travel. 150 play dates? Yeah, that didn't include travel. And so that was my life for, you know, however many years that was back then, over 10. And so you don't really have a place you live when you come back because you don't really live anywhere. And so uh, the people you're with become your best friends and, you know, the people that annoy you the most. And it's like, you know, you're yeah. married to, to three or four or five <laughs> different people. And so all their idiosyncrasies, you know, get on your nerves, the way they chew gum, you know, uh, the, the way they do things with their eye, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. So you got, you got to really love what you do at, you, the, at that point. And so. love the people you're with. Yeah. Yes. And we did. And, and so my point with that was that's a lot for anyone. And eventually people, if it, you know, if you're, if you're not getting... A huge success in a quick period of time. People say, "Well, what am, I got to do something. You know, I want kids. I want to do something with the yeah. rest of my life." So we had bands that dissolved, and then um, you know, when that starts to happen, record labels are like, "Well, you know, we're you know we're going to move on." And and so, uh, so how long did you tour? And what was the moment where you decided, you know, what I got to find another way of living? It was through difference. You know, I. Part of me is is when when I you know I got married had a, a hugely supportive wife I actually met her in Nashville she's amazing she was a booking agent and uh, she's very supportive too of of uh, even when I got married I, I still continue to do it I think what it is is you just kind of start looking at it, has my purpose been fulfilled already mm-hmm. you know and then what are what are the other things I'm supposed to do in this yeah. world and you know and, and and I had enough success to where I you know if that was my goal I mean I got enough of it. You know, I got enough of the feeling. We got to play in front of, you know, 25,000 people at different points. And, wow. You know, and, and and I realized to me, and I guess this is more honest about it, that I had become, I got to a point to where my focus was, <clears throat> these were Christian bands, but I can honestly say my focus was how is our single doing? Hmm. Are we selling records? How many units? When I was writing a song, I would think, well, how's it going to appeal? How's it going to, what kind of radio play is it going to get? You know, um, is it going to be, is this going to be AAA? Is it going to be rock? Is it going to be, you know, uh, CHR radio? Right. And and that was just the way I thought. And and I was listening to the other songs that were on the radio only, you know, those had messages, messages in them too, but I was listening to them for why, why are they successful? And so it became hmm. a science for me to write a hit song which you know, it, it, as a producer, is a, a great way to think. But if you know, with me, it's like if this is my calling, why is my focus only the success? And, right. And isn't and, that the criticism of Nashville? Is that, or the, the Christian side of Nashville is like it's not really Christian. It's just it's just still a business. It's a Christian business, is what it is. That's right? that's the general criticism. Having lived in it for so many years, I can say that there are there are genuine people in it, and I, I think it gets whitewashed a little bit for for only being that. Mm. Uh, but of course, that does exist there, and there's there's definitely corruption within it. There's stories that people will never know about prominent artists, and I've been involved in that. Yeah, and um, you know, of course, it's not my place to. Of course, that was so long ago. Anyway, nobody would care. <laughs> well, we want to ask you give about us that. the juice. We want to ask you about that for the yeah. podcast. I mean, I mean, come on, we got to make this thing go no. viral, Daryl. I'm just kidding, kidding. Oh yeah, no, you guys would blow up. Yeah. <laughs> no, You're like no. Michael W. Smith is <laughs> yeah. actually a really sincere Christian. Whoa. <laughs> And he is. I he got. Is, to, yeah. I can vouch for that. 
Yeah, I can, thing I, can I, can, I can definitely believe that. Um, I can definitely believe that. Yes, and there are. there, there. But, you know, it's like one of those things to where, you know, it's it's a little trite and played to say, you know, oh, the Christian music industry is, is, uh, so, corrupt. is so corrupt. I mean, yeah, we, we kind of all know that. We've all seen signs. But, but yeah. I mean, there is great, there is, you know, uh, there are great artists and, and sincere Christians right. also. And there's lots of them. And so, you know, we just, um, <clears throat> we, got, we got a taste of all of it. But even in this case, myself... Um, the the drive, I think, what it is as an artist is is that you're trying to have a career, you're trying to have success at the same time, you're trying to you know do your calling, right? And but but for me, it was I was more focused on you know just trying to be successful, yeah. And so I'm not saying that's why it dissolved, but when I looked at it and said well, at my life, what is my point? What difference am I making? I started to say to myself, well. I mean, I think there's more than just, you know, worrying about records. And, and mm-hmm. so we ended up getting a, a more of a mainstream deal through a, a sus- subsidiary of Capital called Connoisseur. And they're like a, like I said, a, like a, an imprint of Capital Records. And so that was a fully secular deal, which is where all the, the stories that you were going to ask about come from. Well, let's get was, into them. Let's talk about, like, so, what were some of the uh, things that stand out from that? Well, I guess that leg of your journey. Uh, the interesting thing was, I mean, the process isn't a whole lot different. Uh, as far as like you're still looked at like like you are a product, you know, and so um, you know you're still in this case more justifiably so. You know, I was focused on again the success and the songs, but I mean that's all they care about. That's all you're supposed to be doing at it, that it, point. It kind of it kind of makes it more like authentic and refreshing to be like in a situation where it's like this is a business, right? It's not being like exactly. It's not being. There's no no facade. There's no facade. Yes, on it. It's like this is, this is a business. We're trying to sell records. Trying to make money, and then right. that's that. And in, and lyrics lyric wise, we were always at the least positive, but always there there was a there was an element still, you know, just because of who we were, who I was as a writer, that it still was a, a you know, a I should say deistic. Um, I wouldn't say. Go so far as Christian, but it was definitely a you know a pro God message, positive message mm-hmm. in what we were doing, and so that that uh, you know that brought us to L A to live for a while and and to do um, you know an album up there and kind of go through that process and live a little live a little bit of that kind of crazy life. <laughs> I mean, if you don't mind, yeah, take us. I mean, most of What's us obviously like? don't live that life, so give us like a kind of a taste of what what it's what it's like, the good, the bad of well, let's, living there because that's. Let's say I didn't live that life, but I was among people who were in that life. Yeah. And okay. So, because I was still a you know I was still a starving artist at that point. You know, we had gone through two record deals, so it was like a good example of um, being that being in that environment where where was we were taken out. You know, we had some higher up record label executives that were you know trying to impress our band. So they uh, one night they took me t- uh, actually. I think it was a group of us to um, a real prestigious uh, restaurant in L.A. And uh, Bill Clinton was there. Charlie Sheen was in this restaurant. Wow! Like, at yeah. the time you were there. That's oh yeah, yeah, in, in in there with us. And uh, I'd, I'd want to just sit there and watch Charlie Sheen and see what Charlie. <laughs> yeah, he was <laughs> that, guy, that guy's a character. Man. He was. He he. This was still 
you know, '90s Charlie Sheen. So, uh, okay, you know, okay, sure. his, it, you know, a few, a few good men. Is that the show that wasn't even? I don't think existed yet. What, what's the show he's on with this kid? It's, oh, uh, you're saying Two and a Half Men. Two and a two Half, and half and Men. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the other one's a movie. You can't right. handle the truth. That's yeah. right. Uh, yeah, so that movie wasn't even, or that I love show that you wasn't even right out yet. by uh, Bill Clinton. I did. and ignored him and just shook Charlie Sheen's hand. Well, <laughs> what do you think Bill Clinton was thinking? Yeah, I, and, and I won't comment. On it. <laughs> this show is, is that, apolitical. Yeah. Apolitical show. Exactly. It's open for so. Um, anyway, uh, and and so the funny part about that kind of that shows this situation was, uh, you know, you're leaving a restaurant like that and, you know, moguls, Hollywood moguls are all there. And so, you know, you're, there's valet, of course, you know, you don't just park there. Well, you know, I'm a poor artist, so I have a minivan. And so in this valet line, you see, you know, you know, (laughs) Maserati, Lamborghini, 1992 Chrysler minivan, (laughs) you know, and so that was uh, so we got I, to I, you, I got you know, to stand out with the stars in valet and have my old minivan pulled. Well, up. How, you oh, got to wow. get noticed amongst yeah. this crowd somehow, Absolutely. right? Yeah, so they're exactly. like he's making you know a you statement. Had, you know, yeah. making a statement looks. today. You know, yeah. you had looks. So people <laughs> noticed you that would have noticed you otherwise that that night. Yeah. You know, so, so good for you. Sure. That was a career sure, advancement. We'll look at it like that. Yeah. <laughs> so that was that was one story. But yeah, so we got to you know experienced that and we did a record we're really proud of there uh it ended up never getting that one didn't ever get released um because the the record label imploded now when Um, that happens don't they give you your material back (laughs) don't you technically get to keep your material technically i still don't believe i have that we it was kind of a weird record deal that uh that we ended up doing and i i think I don't think anybody would care but i think technically speaking that stuff um is not even clear for me to use now um wow. i think the songs are but the recordings wouldn't be from what okay. i still know but it was kind of like one of those things a- a- and can we find your stuff like if yeah. we search you on spotify or uh, apple or whatever i think so to to a degree uh you know I, i've uh i've not searched it uh so i i wouldn't know but i i people th- say things here and there that, that you know well, well here, here's what i'll do uh you give me the search after we're done recording you give me the search terms and I'll find what I can find, and I'll okay. put links to it in the show notes of yep. this podcast. And you can also get it at cgmradio.com. If you go to the Big Tech Small Biz Podcast page, you can get a link there or in the show notes of this podcast. Sure. So you lived there. You were in L.A. Yeah. And how long were you there before it was time to move on to, to another? About uh, around 2001 was when I started You know that the label imploded and then we started you know looking at other avenues and just started saying you know what else is there that god has called me and and that was you know when uh my wife and i would sit around and just kind of think you know what is what's the whole point of this and so there's a then there was a period of time to where i uh you know we we tried to get another deal and just kind of lost you know just felt like that well actually wasn't the ultimate purpose and so i started getting into just doing music production and then I, I kind of started a career with that, uh, and that was kind of almost a start startup in itself. And so that was where I learned a lot about business. You know, I kind of just assume, okay, well, I'm a, you know, a fairly su- successful artist, and so this should just be an easy thing. I'll just kind of start doing produ- music production, and it'll be easy, and I'll have plenty of money, and we'll all be happy. Right. But, uh, you know... And the, and the, and I always have to give props to my wife. When we first got married, after we had a label implode, I mean, she was the breadwinner. You know, I even I had success before that, but that stuff, you know, success in the Christian music industry doesn't translate into a lot of money necessarily. It does it does 
you know, at, at certain level, but in the nineties, you know, I mean, it, it, it was before praise and worship. Michael W. Smith, right? Amy yeah. Grant, you can name them, right? Yes. And who? <laughs> so my wife was uh, Jeff you know, Moore she, in the distance. She supported <laughs> a. She supported a. Um, Jeff Moore in the distance. <laughs> I know what a name. <laughs> I haven't heard that word. If you that could term. see what yeah. I see, I'm not yeah, gonna. I'm not right. gonna sing. So my wife, uh, you know, she supported me still dreaming in the early, I guess. 2000s you know <clears throat> she's a registered nurse and she you know i was still pursuing that for a while where you know hey we're gonna get another deal with and that was before i got it got into music production as a as a uh, as a career and so then i had to finally make a step and and say okay well you know now i've got to do something and make some money you know now and so i started doing music production and working with artists and that like i said that that wasn't just an instant uh you know, money maker for me. I had to start to developing that, develop that really slow, and I developed kind of techniques and gimmicks to get that going. Mm. And, and what were some of the techniques and gimmicks? Um, well, I kind of my thing was is uh, you know this actually, and I realize this applies to anybody that does any kind of a creative work for sure. And it's like, how do you get your foot in the door when there's a lot of people doing what you do? And so the first thing was you have to get good at your craft. And so you have to, you know, today in today's day and age, it's way easier. You have YouTube, and when there's something you need to get better at, if you, you want it enough, there, it's out there for you. Well, with me, I would find mentors and people I'd work with who, in the past, you know, I, I had always produced on my records anyway, so I had a, a lot of know-how. But to, to, to enhance that and get people to notice it, uh, I had to get really, to my, you know, at least in my own opinion, better than the people around me you know, in order to compete for their business. And so then you have to prove that. And, and, and that's not to brag. That's just to say it took a lot of time to go look at what's out there and try to figure out a way that I can get as good at, if not better. And these would, for me, they were major records that were out there. And so if I could, I kind of figured if I could show somebody, you know, a record that was, you know, six-figure budget and then show them something that sounded similar to that, I could make a six-figure budget. Well, wasn't quite there yet, you know. So yeah. there's a lot in between that. So what I started doing is uh, started doing stuff for free or almost nothing. And I had this technique. To what what I would do is I would go up to somebody and say they wanted to get a song produced or recorded. And I, and this is the way I did it, and it ended up working. I would say, uh, "What are you paying for this project?" And it would be some high <clears throat> high number, you know, like six figures. Are you yeah, yeah, that? or yeah, ten thousand a song, or you know, five thousand okay. a song. So I, I would. I would ask the artist, you know, what are you paying this producer to do this for? And they would say, I said, well, let me do one of the songs that they're doing already, and I'll do it for free. If you choose my version, you got to pay me what you paid them. Oh, wow. That's great. And, That's and great I would do the same thing with mixing. And so I would have to go out and do stuff free, and or at least, you know, almost like the Mattress Mac technique. You know, you throw it out there, and you try, and you have a lot to lose, but if you win, you win good. And... Um, and so I ha I did that a few times. They were either producing a song or mixing a song where I would uh, literally step out and say, I know you're doing this project. I know you found a producer. I know you found a mixing engineer. I'll do that. Let me do the same song that they're doing. You know, and this was mostly mixing, you know, or they would give me the tracks or something. How do you even know how to reach these artists? You just, that's the thing. And that's the other part of it. Um, I, one of the things I did was I, I would do a lot of marketing for uh, like battles of the bands and, and uh, thing in songwriting contest, and I would make my studio the winning, like one of the prizes. And again, it would oh, it wouldn't 
it would kind of show the name because you, know, you didn't have the Facebook ad back then, mm-hmm. you know, so you had to get your your name out there as something that was a viable studio within the business. And so and this was in L.A. or in Texas? This was all back in Texas. Yeah. In Texas. Point. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Yeah. So you're in this this area. Right? Yeah. So okay. yeah, so we came back. And so that's when I started uh, doing the, you know. So and who it, are some of the people you've worked with? Uh, would, would we recognize some of the names out there? You pr- yeah, I, I mean. <laughs> are you allowed to talk you about probably, it? You probably would. I, I, some of the projects I've worked on that I don't even like to. This is, so, so let me just preface it with this. Uh, wh- if you're going to do music production as a career in this city, and in a lot of cities, you have to do everything. And so you have to, um, you're going to be doing music for things that you don't agree with the message on. And this was a real struggle for me. And so okay, I ended up I doing gotcha. a lot. I saw, as I said, I do dance and hip hop. And, you know, again, I'm trying to make a career yeah. as a producer to feed my family. Well, you don't just say, well, I won't do this and I won't do that. I mean, right. it's kind of like right. you're in this world to where, you know, these people need music. They probably have completely different worldviews than you, but they still want you to do their music. So that's why you're and a so, little bit guarded about sharing who you've worked with because some of them would be controversial in the Christian a, a sphere bit. and you're and you're in the Christian sphere a little bit. Yeah, I've yeah. got music out uh, that I've ta- I've taken my name off of just because of, you know, I've done the music but I I, see. I just don't believe in in uh, what their message says. Gotcha. And and I don't want to be associated with it. And so But the you ones know, you pursued were probably not those people. The ones you went to and said, "Hey, no, I'll do right. it for free." I always pursued people I'd like to work with. Yeah, and then once things took off, and I and I won best Pro- producer in 2017. Oh wow! No, when was that? 2004. I can't remember what year it was. <laughs> I should know that. Then uh, in, in that area, and in, in, in a year before that, you know, you get people calling you. And they have big budgets, and so you're like, well, I, you know, I wanna, I wanna be a successful, you know, this is what I've been going for, right? Right. And to be a successful music producer, well, here come the calls, and they've got big money, and you know, um, do you just, you know, now do you turn it down? And so I found myself on a daily basis, eight to ten hours in a room, listening to stuff that, and I had, you know, a brand new baby at home, oh, and yeah. I would listen to this stuff, this vulgar, vile stuff all day long, and I would go look at my beautiful child, and I lived this like. Mm. Kind of like a, this, uh, almost like I felt like it was a double life, you know. Even yeah. though I wasn't participating in anything, I would be at some of the big studios downtown, and there'd be stuff going on there. And I was the world I was in. And I was like, well, this is what I strove to do, you know. And you know, I've, I'm down here at, at this studio, and Chameleon Air's cars right here, and I'm mixing here, and this is what I wanted. But you know, that comes with a lot, you know. Now, what yeah. did you what did you win Best Producer for? Like, in what? In what context? In in Houston. In Houston. Okay. Yeah. In Houston. Yes. And was it? I can't. Two thousand thirteen, two thousand fourteen, maybe. And, and what? Uh, when did the the Grammy nomination? So that come in? to to make that correct, that was a song that I worked with, uh, with a band that the song got nominated, and I had produced and written it, co-written it. And so wow. the song got nominated. So it wasn't a it wasn't a nomination for like producer or artist. It was a nomination for the song, and I had written and produced on it. What's and, the name of that song? Um, uh, "Will Never Break," I believe is what it was. "Will okay. Never Break." Gonna look it up. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And so and, and so they did have you, a. Did what you, genre is that? It was like modern rock. Okay. Yep. So you went? Did you go to the 
Grammy. No, uh, no, he no, didn't, didn't get that far. No, here's his, what's uh, what you got to understand about Grammys. There's multiple tiers to the nomination. Ah, okay. And so you know you've got they've got a, a big list and then a smaller list, and and so we made it. That song made it to like the the real small list, but not the final list. Right. And so they, that's the way they do that there. And okay. So, so you weren't sitting in the, in the crowd no, hanging no, out no, with no, Jay-Z no. and, and, and no, those no, no. guys. Okay. okay. No. I, I mean, I could see you there to get me wrong, yeah. man. I, I, <laughs> nope, I had visions of that's what was happening, but, but still, no. I mean, but even to get on what were the beginning list, I mean, the, the, right. how unbelievably competitive to even get on the yeah. initial especially list. nowadays people yeah. are writing songs every day releasing songs every day it's yeah incredible it's, it's much easier to release a song now which makes it much harder for a song to be kind of successful wouldn't you say mm-hmm. like oh yes and the you gatekeepers know. There used to be a few gatekeepers that would let you go now it's anybody can it is and you know the the whole um paradigm of what a record label is is kind of all shifted because of things mm-hmm. like youtube and and, it, and that's even changed since i had, you know since i had done that that song and and you know you can be a fully successful artist now i mean it used to be you could kind of be you can they call it independent artist and you could have an independent label but now you can literally only do youtube and make money as a musician you know and, and have a career it's incredible by only youtube and that's just changed everything well and then you can put your stuff on itunes you can mm-hmm. put it on spotify right. but all these i mean you, you, right. i could do a rap album yeah uh, believe it or not and i could i could upload yeah. it and it's there you know right and Absolutely. If it went viral which would be a dream of mine actually or well, a rap album. well yeah uh, maybe that's not a good idea okay know. let's let's get back to reality here <laughs> so, um, okay so what about i want to hear about the the i mean the five number one mm-hmm national hits yes. um how when when did that happen was this with a single band was it mm-hmm. within a shorter two, it was span two, of time two bands uh the uh, three of them were with a band called imagine this back in that would be 95 okay. and so the songs i know for sure were like i mentioned a song called love a song called shelter the, the third song for imagine this i can't remember which one and then there was a band called lloyd a song called don't want to know and forever song those were all number one singles in the christian industry Okay. Yep. Wow. And so, Wonderful. Yeah. No. And that, yeah, there's a th- the fifth song, the third one from Imagine This. I can't remember which one that was. But yeah. yeah. And, and that was oh, Revolution. Revolution. There's Revolution. a song called Revolution. Revolution. Well, yes. if I can find them online again, I'll put them in the in the show notes of the show. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so I want to go back to the 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 that phase you went through. Well, phase is probably the wrong word, but that I think it's fascinating when, as Christians, we own a business. And we have to go through the startup mode, and we have to go through the struggle, and we have to go prob- probably take on jobs that we normally wouldn't want to ideally take, but we, you know, we still have an obligation to f- to pay the bills and feed our family. And I find that to be really like the struggle of that to be really interesting, and how to navigate that. And like in my business, I. I remember those days of having to say yes to very difficult people, let's say, mm-hmm. because I'm like, well, we need the money. I, yeah. I, I have to just swallow my pride and I have to just work with this person. Even if I don't agree with any, you know, anything about them, I'm still going to, this is my job to work yeah. with them. And then as the business grows and as you pay more and more of your dues, you get to be a little more, a, a little more selective or even yeah. a lot more selective. So I imagine like when you won producer of the year, you got to kind of experience a little bit of that, of that, like being able to be selective and kind of work mm-hmm. on projects you believe in. So, what became the criteria? What would you say were the pr- criteria once kind of you found success and found like the ability to kind the, of choose? 
the criteria that I of why I would choose one project over another. Yeah, exactly. Well, for me, it was it it always went down to what conflicted with my beliefs. Honestly, okay. I mean, so because this is so message oriented, you know, it's it's people using music that I'll almost certainly create for a goal that, to promote their message. You know, so right. if it's a hip hop artist and I do a, a beat I'm proud of, I become married to that. I love that music that I did. Well, they take it and start talking about blank, 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 you know? Yeah. And I've seen that happen. That's heartbreaking to me because I'll get married to music that I, I create like it's my own. And it's like I'm giving my child away for someone just to corrupt. Mm. And so I got sick of that. I mean, I, I, it just got old after a while to where I would put my heart and soul and in, in what I felt was, a you know, a, a, an ability given to me from God that were constantly being used to the point where I'd have to take my name off of them. And yeah, I had money in the bank, but it's kind of like this was just something that just continually... So that's my criteria. I think pe- people had different reasons for choosing when they get selective, but that's my main reason. And, and then uh, artists who are, who are bang for the buck is another, you know, from a strictly business sense, how much work is this type of project going to be for me versus the other work I'm doing in video production? And so, like, right now, my criteria is, uh, you know, not just the message, but also, you know, what's going to take me away from my family the least and still put the same amount yeah. of money in my pocket, Yeah, you know, from a strictly business sense. And so, a lot of times, you know, I work with a great company in video production, and stability is also a thing. And so, not only... Do you want to get clients who are the, where, where there, you know, there's, there's a high return on your investment of time, but you want to get stability. You want to know that, that you can count on the client that you book. And, and notoriously in my business, somebody can book you for a, you know two months ahead, and just because of the nature of the type of people that are in that business, they're two days before they'll tell you, oh, sorry, I can't do it. And you so banked you don't on, collect you don't collect a deposit. Up front, I, I and I had started doing that, and even so. Still bail. It, it, they'd still bail and you'd still be, you know, in a situation to where it's a lot less than you expected still. Right. I mean, you still needed the rest of it. And yeah, I got deposits and I started doing that. And I learned the hard way after right. not doing it. But even so, just knowing that you can't, it's hard to count on that. Even when you get your deposits, it's still, you know, you're still taking a deficit compared to what you thought you would make. Yeah. And so the stability of knowing that, you know, you've got this, that's another criteria. So you had asked me for criteria. Those are my main ones. That's great. And yeah. I, I think that people out there who are starting businesses and going th- through, you know, paying their dues, I, I think it's important to, um, I think it's very important to take on the work, even if it's not ideal. I think we live in a culture where everything has to be perfectly set up, even when we're brand new at something. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm a, a firm believer um, that Christians should be paying their dues even in less than ideal circumstances, because that's just part of life, and it's part of God. It's how God shapes us and forms us. Is He tests us? Like, like I, I kind of love the fact that you took on the job because you needed to feed your family. Because I feel like that's just as God honoring is saying no to a project. You don't. I, I feel like that's still God honoring to say, well, we have to pay our bills, and then your way of kind of helping the situation was to take your name off of it, mm-hmm. which I, I mean, I think that's a really God honoring way to do something. It's like, I got to do the work and, but I'm not gonna put my name on it because I don't agree with X. Yeah. You know, well, what's one of the, and one of the ways I look at it was those were dividends that were being paid towards what I do now with my ministry, because right. as I did all these projects, I was gaining more knowledge for what I think God wanted me to do. And so I was getting, no, you know, not just knowledge and experience, but, you know, opening 
you know, opening my mind up to different types of techniques that would help shape what has become RDOF. And so I needed every ounce of the experience I went through, the good and the bad, you know, the vulgar and the clean. All of those um, were projects that shaped my abilities as a musician and then also, you know, as an artist to create material that eventually is going to be used. It's a, it's a little little bit of um, of the, I guess, the um, the guy with the bow and arrow. Robin Hood? Robin Hood. Yeah. <laughs> to where you're, uh, you know, you're trying, you're, you're taking, you know, some money or whatever. Oh, you're, you're robbing it. from the rich yeah. to, to feed the poor? Yeah, I looked at it, but not the rich so much, but as, you know, the people who don't believe the way I do, I, yeah. I would take from that and take, you know, revenue from that and, and invest that revenue and know-how into something that to, did yeah, count. To, to, not, uh, to not understand that that dynamic exists in life is, would be naive of somebody. To yeah. not believe that God doesn't ask us to do things. You know, he doesn't ask us to sin, but he does ask us to go into dark places. And he does ask us to go into compromising positions yeah. to see how we'll handle it, to see how we'll yeah. you know, honor him in spite of the circumstances. And I, w- I was constantly around people you know, who... It's funny, I used to joke with my pastor about this. It's like, you know, I, w- I would lead stuff at our church, and I was like, but you and I go, on our week, we go to totally two different places. Mm-hmm. Like, when I sit down I'm, on Monday at my studio, I'm going to be with thugs and guys who are in and out of prison, drug dealers who demoralize women mm-hmm. on a day-to-day basis. But I'm going to be who I am, you know, and I'm going to work with these guys. And so if I'm here, and that's that's who God's put in front of me, I'm going to be... Still, the child of God that I am, right, and, and that's say where, and, that's and stand up for what I and I and I've and I've where he wants you to be anyway. And I and I made great friends with these people, and I know that there's a purpose for that, mm-hmm. for being there, sitting mm-hmm. in those rooms, with those guys developing relationships, and I know those those have paid off. And I, I've you know, in retrospect, I've seen a lot of those relationships pay off, and still have a lot of respect for these people. As and I would try to speak into lives when I could, and I'd get these relationships and and see them for more than they were putting themselves out to be. You know, I remember sitting with some guys who were just brilliant musicians. I mean, it was it was talent. It was just raw talent. And I would constantly be telling these guys, man, why do you settle for this? I mean, you are brilliant. You know, you could be doing so much with this artistry, so much more, and yet you're stuck in this. And it's not even like you because, you know, especially with my hip-hop clients, this is where, to me, it's, it, it's, so, it's so narrow-minded about the topics that you talk about. And I would tell the guys that, that I that I thought were just incredibly talented guys, man, I see so much more of you when I talk to you than you're writing in your songs. Hmm. There's a lot more depth. You have relationships, you have emotions, and all you do is talk about this. Yeah. And they would always tell me, well, that's that's what you talk about. And I and I said, I why does that have to be? You know. And then you start seeing you know things like Chance the Rapper and stuff coming out to you know hmm. Lecrae and and where it can be done a different way. What do you think about like Kanye West? What's your take on the whole Kanye West deal? Uh, speaking of, speaking well, of, was yeah. it on the agenda? Well, <laughs> it, well, it's on the agenda of something uh, new and special we have coming up on CGM yeah. Radio in the very near future. But yeah, Daryl, yeah. what do you think about? Well, my general thought is, you know, why can't we look at his conversion? As this the same way we would if a guy came to church who was just a regular guy who had a blue collar job right, that right. you know why why is it different I don't see the you controversy know? either I go yeah. oh he came to the Lord that's right he's that, a guy that right. he's a guy that came to faith despite money or career or you know fame he's still a guy and we should treat him the same and he's a baby Christian yeah. we should we should 
you know, make the same assumption we would if it's a guy that we had at work who were trying to lead to Christ for three years, and we saw him would for that guy would be be waiting for him to fail. Is that what we'd be thinking every yeah. day? No, we'd wanna we wanna do what we can to walk him to the next step and to be there for him, and I think that's the way we should. But you know, so I I uh, I, I like to imagine myself in his situation. Multi, multi, multi millionaire. I don't know how much this hundreds of millions this yeah. guy has. Oh, yeah. 28 million Twitter followers. I mean, fame. Uh, he's part of the Kardashian yeah. clan. On top of that, right? Right. On top of everything, all the pressure and then like all the hate that he's yeah. receiving, uh, partly from, from the world yeah. because they don't like the direction he's going, but then from the the church, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. criticizing the him. And so I try to put myself, what if I came to know Christ? in that context and my what and even let's say aside from that what if my conversion to christ was under a microscope (laughs) i know know, there'd be plenty of criticism for for me as well and i'm just like let's give the guy a chance yeah he is a baby christian and we're already expect people are expecting him to have like perfect theology and Mm -hmm. handle his finances a certain way and not talk about prosperity and you know yeah it it is kind of ridiculous and so i guess it boils down to his relationship with Christ. Yeah. And and that's at the end of the day, you know, that is something to where he seeks God on a daily basis and it's it, and how he does that and and how he how he um susses out the his his previous life and how that's going to translate into his changed life and what the timing on that is. It's just none of our business, you know. It it, it yes, he has an influence, but you know, at the end of the day, this now is a transaction between he and Christ. I mean, yeah, it is. It is, and 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 it's the work of the Holy Spirit that's all. Like all of us has had to, you know, meet him where he's at, and slowly curve him through a process or whatever that is. But we don't have the knowledge to make that judgment of what right. he's got in the back seat and what demons are in the closet that he's dealing with that he's got that are going to get sussed out through this process. We just don't know that for this guy, and so it, we can pray just, for pray for him. He's yeah, a, yes. like you said, he's a baby Christian. I, right, I, I think that's important. Absolutely. to remember. Absolutely. And we're all kind of baby Christians, if you really yeah. think about it, aren't we all? Yeah, kind we're of all like kind of going through a process a ourselves. Yes. I might not do the right thing every moment, once a month or yeah. something. You know, I'm. So, so Darrell, <laughs> yeah, let's talk. Let's yeah. Ryan was saying how he was sinless. So yeah, was yeah. That's one of the yeah. reasons. That's one of the reasons. That is one of the reasons he's life. growing a beard. Yes, like Jesus. We don't talk about the beard. We just don't talk about that. So, Daryl, I will. I'll tell you this. When I went to one your last event. I, it was, I think it was seven or eight like mini like short films mm-hmm. that you put together. Yeah. And it was uh, tied together with you kind of narrating between. I was incredibly impressed by the quality of the video. I t- Are those like on YouTube? Can people watch these on YouTube or how do they? It's interesting they you say that. I'm learning now that, that uh, as, you know, we had in the last two or three weeks we've had a gain of 11,000 followers on Facebook so we've there's a growth yeah what okay yeah, from our last what? event what's yes. your secret 11,000 what we did was I had you know I I've only used Facebook and social media to promote events on RDOF and I work for a company that that actually does that and so I'm I'm thinking well you know I need to give RDOF the attention. I, I, I'm part of several, you know, like on Facebook, I'm part of several groups. And I see these guys, they post stuff all the time. All I've ever done, and this is what I'm learning to do, is just promoted events. And then when an, an entire event is done, then then that's what you put out. And so, you know, we, basically we have events every three months. And so 
the only time anybody on Facebook would see anything would be when an event comes around. So yeah. nothing, and then, you know, three months later, there's another post. Well, I've changed a little bit of that. I'm trying to give it a little bit of attention. And the way I would almost like with my business to where, you know, I... I had also just promoted it to people who were within the demographic reach of where an event was. Well, now I'm promoting it to the entire world. And so I've just started that. And so I've so had a real good response. So you put those videos up on what? On Facebook so or on YouTube? And that's the other part of it is that this is just like making awareness of RDOF, the, the page. So now, um, in response to your question, I have not done that. Just put the, the videos themselves up. I've done it. I should say I've done it once or twice maybe. Um, but I'm, what I'm realizing is that most people on social media don't want to see an hour and a half event. They they like to see something that's a five minute, you oh, know, yeah. section. So what I just actually started thinking of doing in the in the last two or three weeks was breaking those events up into many many little five minute sections. Oh and yeah, starting they're perfect to promote those. And so that's actually something I'm starting. It's interesting that you asked. I'm starting to do that. Well, it's brilliant work. I mean, it, it is you. like you, we've been talking about your music producing. Your video work is exceptional. I mean, you could just do that and go oh, quite you. continue to you know flourish. Um, but but I think I'm excited to hear you're putting your video up because I think. I think a lot of them could go um, viral or could just attract more and more attention to the work that you're doing. Thank and, you. Um, it, the, we don't have enough of that. We don't have enough of, like, Ryan, maybe you can summarize the types of videos he does. Like, well, it's apologetics, but it's more than that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's apologetics, right? But it's, it's very, uh, very focused, very particular topics. And, I mean, you, you, uh, it seems like you tend to, to hover around the scientific angle uh, you have a you did a great event on the problem of evil, which was huge. And so you're basically taking taking those videos, those events, and putting them in in bite sized form mm-hmm. for people to be able to consume. Uh, like Lad Allen with Alestra Media, the John Ten mm-hmm. Ten project. Yeah, they for the longest time. I mean, they had to compl- They don't hardly sell DVDs anymore. Yeah. Now they have to they have to uh, basically raise support. And then they take their videos, which are brilliant videos, and they cut them up. Sometimes they're one, two, I mean, really short videos, and then uh, just put those out on social media. Mm-hmm. And you know, maybe it's a ten-minute video or something. Yeah. <laughs> some, some incredible, beautiful, beautiful stuff. But yeah, that is where it's going, uh, and big time in the in the apologetics world because you want to get that message out and 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 let them see it. But you're right; they're probably not going to watch hour and a half event. And if they want to, you can give. Perhaps uh, like a, a preview of it on yeah. social media, and right. then show them where they can go to rdof.org, and then they can right. uh, buy the DVDs or watch the event and that kind of thing. I would love yeah. for youth groups and you know, I mean anybody, but I think it would be such a great tool for. I, I feel I feel a, I feel like there's a burden for this generation of kids who don't know how to defend their faith, and I think it's a great tool to point to all the scientific kind of evidence, uh, you know, for the existence of. Of a creator, it's it's well, you know, compelling stuff. RDOF is born out of my ADHD, or probably AD, and, and I say that because that should be your tagline at the yes. top of your website. <laughs> and what it is is that I agree with you that these kids need to be, you know, made aware of these arguments. The problem, the thing is, is that there's incredible material. There's a ton of material out there to help them, but apologetics as as a niche, you know, mm. is huge. But 
there's a difference between the people who go to apologetics conferences, and, and, and Ryan and I have seen this, to your high school student who needs to defend their faith. There's a yeah. disconnect there. Yeah. Um, because it, apologetics, and this is this is just my take on it, and and Melissa and I will be talking about this, I'm sure. There's a a great, there's a, a tremendous amount of resources out there for apologetics, but it's not changing the statistics. As apologetics is growing in number of resources, the statistics are still getting worse for students. Is there for students? Re- yes, is there for, good, for students under thirty. But who, are you saying there's good resources for students? Oh yes. I haven't, I well, haven't and, and that's the thing. There's good information. But the way that's presented, right, that's I think, is what fails. And so um, this is what RDOF wants to be. And, 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 and when I say it's that's born great. out of my ADHD, I can sympathize with the typical high school and college student to where I'm interested in apologetics. And most of the stuff I can't watch for more than five or ten minutes without losing it. You know, yeah. I have the my interest is still there, but I just I can no longer focus. Um, I'm not following it along the way I should be in order to make the conclusion. Yeah. And and so the way to get around that is to not... You can't compete with the Minecraft and the way these kids are brought up. You can't right. compete with the rapid change of of stimulus that they're constantly... I mean, it's just part of nature. It's the way movies are made. I, You know that when I make films now, the rule is you can't... In the old days, you would, you would leave a screen on a person... And for a period of time, you you can't even make a movie in, in a basic editing 101. That you cannot keep a steady s- screen without some kind of zoom, or you will lose focus. Yeah. There needs to be some movement to that camera the whole time. That's why you see these these newer shows on TV where the camera is almost jerking the whole time, you know. And <laughs> yeah, and yeah. it's it's I kind understand. of part of that growth. And and what it is, it's 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 showing how our brains work. Mm. And so uh, RDOF is kind of part of not fighting that, not saying you know. I agree. Kids watch too much media. I'm, I, I try to keep my kids off it, but wh- that's the generation we're in. You can face it, you can embrace it, or you can just complain about it, but you're not going to reach them. Right. RDOF is the events, the, the videos are set up to constantly change within the course of a minute within a video or in an event to where there is a new stimulus that, that it's it's moving at the speed that they're used to in the media that they watch on a daily basis. I would basis. love it if there was a way to go back to the old days where youth groups and stuff would bring tons of kids to these like to these um, concerts, and how cool would it be to have like a concert and then have like a few of those videos kind mm-hmm. of sprinkled in there with you? We had would a it, thing. Wouldn't that be cool? We had that done at Creation Fest, and uh, oh, there yeah. was a ton of people, and they they had our videos play at a thing at Creation oh, Fest, nice. and, it, and they said it was really successful, and I was honored to be able to send them a video and that's what exactly what they oh, did that's fantastic there were artists on stage and then bam they showed a little bit of an oh audio gosh, video and, and so yeah it was and and yeah it worked out perfectly it's the only time i've seen it done the the events are that's a little bit of my vision down the line for our events is that it is something like that to where you go there and it's not just that you you know have some music play before but there's there's artists on stage or something to the effect to, to where it's this. I have the perfect venue for this, by the way. There's this, um, I'll tell you about it later. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Will and Dylan right yeah. here on Big exactly. Tech Small great, Business Book. Great, yeah. and, great venue for Yeah, us. and I'm, I'm a rapper as well, and so we Are can, you? yes. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I, yeah. So I, you just I killed the that. idea, right? I, I could be a part of that. killed the idea. Well, so, um, yeah. <laughs> I knew that. Great. I've known so, that the whole time. Yeah, it you'd was be honored to have me, I'm sure. Can I ask you, though, when, at what point did you know it's time to start an apologetics ministry. So here you're going along. You're you're a small business owner, and things you know obviously you have your ups and downs, but yeah. you've been successful. 
right? It, it's yeah. paying the bills. And so that to me is you're a small business owner and your bills are getting paid. You don't have to be a millionaire. Yeah. Like you're, that's, that's success in my book. So at, at what point in this journey did, did you say, you know, it's time to branch out and yeah. put myself out there, put a big target on my back yeah. and, uh, and really fight for Jesus in the intellectual sphere? I, I'm going to be very real with you here. And there we go. At the, at the detriment of a career. And so basically, you know, I won this award and um, it was best producer in Houston. And so that's what I've been striving for as a producer. So I can, you know, all my price tags, I can add a decimal point or, you know, potentially. Another zero. It's good. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's really, it was exciting just because, you know, I was kind of looking for that. At the same time, on my, on my, off time at night, I was debating. I would, whatever, for whatever reason, and maybe it was for my own um, security in my faith. I would get online and, and debate uh, people, and you know, got into that whole ugly world of internet debating. Yeah, and and so I would do this a lot, and I found myself in more and more places. And sometimes, you know, there were. Um, you know, I would, I would get on with a professor or, you know, there'd be a, you know, some kind of a back and forth on some kind of a news group or a, a forum. And I would do this a lot. And I would, eventually I would, I, they would get pretty heated. So I would send them my pastor and say, you know, Hey, is this, am I overboard on this? I mean, it's pretty aggressive. And so he watched a few of these and finally he said, you know, why don't you like do something with your life? No, <laughs> he, he said, why don't, you know, Essentially, why don't you do a class with this stuff? And what and I, year and I, was this? How long ago was that's this? That's like 2013. Okay. Yeah, because I think that's when the award was. I'm terrible with dates. And so um, he's like, yeah, you know, essentially telling me, even though these weren't the words he said, it's easy to get online and do all this, but, you know, why don't you get in front of people and talk about this stuff? So we had we started this, this class at our church, and, uh, you know, it was we started it, and I, I had told him, Yes, and I didn't even want to. I just like I don't I don't see myself teaching people or sitting up. You know, I like much rather sitting here in my chair at twelve o'clock at night. You know, and yeah. I can say what I want to say, and I can if I don't like the comment thread, I can not go back and delete it or whatever. You know, <laughs> if I get beat in a debate, then you know I just will erase the whole it's, thread it, yeah. or whatever. You it's know, it's like, it's interesting it's, when we get asked to do stuff yeah. that's like not our first choice, but we right. do it kind of out of either obligation or oh, what's mm -hmm. my pastor or like, uh, I kind of need to earn a few points. Yeah. It, but it becomes like the obedience of it is what is what's yeah. fascinating to me. It's like it doesn't always like everything's not a joyful yes. Yeah. When you're asked to serve or asked to do something. Yeah. Sometimes you just do it because you're like, well, I'm just gonna do it because the pastor asked me. And then it becomes become something. And this is how that transpired. So that same week that that I, I said yes to this, and I mean, it was I got within a, a week or two, I guess, my I was getting the announcements uh, from the Houston press that, you know, hey, you, I'm, I'm nominated for the award. And then I go through and I'm looking, I'm looking for my nomination. And sure enough, you know, I see uh, on Houston Press had like uh, on their website this time, like had like this thing of lists that are things that were going on. And it was uh, 139 was the mention of my nomination. And right above it at 138 was this atheist rally. They were going to um, they were going to rally this convention that was near me. And so I was like, that's really weird. That I mean, is so that's weird. the one, like, uh, you know, of all the 200 entries, the one right next to mine. And I, cause I'm toying with this idea anyway, and I've just told the pastor, yes, I'll do this. And so 
it literally the the next weekend I found myself just being told to go there, and here I am, and f- through all this, suddenly I'm literally at this convention outside debating a prominent atheist, and I don't even do this, and here I am. I mean, this guy is a you were, prominent. You, be, you became yeah. the the counterpoint to him, like you were the official. No, no, no. This was just that they were just they had just showed up to rally a convention. So this was oh, a this was I, a I saw the, live debate. And I saw that, and I saw this this um, this mention of it. It you know because I was right. looking for my award, right. it's and right it happened there. to be right there. So I went. To, I thought that was a call. Well, I would I, just oh, go to it. And what kind of convention was this that they were coming to? I don't want to get too detailed on what it was because I don't want. But it was like basically being, like a it was, Christian. It was a Christian convention. Yes. convention. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so and these, so the atheists came came to do oh, a rally outside yes, of this Christian absolutely. creation convention. Yes, absolutely. Oh, and and wow. so I literally was yeah for, from nothing from reluctantly saying yes to my pastor, having no idea what I was going to do, and more concentrating my life on winning this award, through going and looking for that award, I found this, wow. and and then That's went so to this, crazy. and then I knew it was all in, and I was like, suddenly, That's I was like, Lord. I guess well, I'm supposed it, to be doing this. And what's yeah, interesting, when you were so telling me about wow. this story, that this guy who is an aggressive, because there are some atheists, they're, yeah. they're, they'll just talk to you, they're very scientific or whatever, just yeah. they want to have a dialogue, but some of them are really aggressive Super, and yeah. this was one of the i mean yes. anybody that's familiar with youtube atheists or whatever yeah. you say this guy's name you're like oh yeah that guy yeah you know right wow and so to b- tell us uh, we don't have a whole lot of time left tell us real quick how that conversation went between you and this very uh, aggressive it it individual. Uh, he well he's 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 an incredible debater, and it 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 went really well in the fact that I just happened to be studying the topic that we were talking about at the time, which was another just yeah another confirmation. God led you to this point, yeah. And we had a really big conversation. There ended up being a crowd around it and uh, us and um, street fight. Was yeah. it filmed? Is this like something <laughs> I can watch? I think there was somebody. Th- there was somebody there, but no, I don't think didn't I, get, I, it didn't yeah. go on like YouTube. And so right, and so we. Uh, and it was me getting my feet wet, and so you know it was one of those things to where you know again I it was a this was it ended up being a thing where the guy wants to hang out with me, and he's not like that, you know, and and he's incredible. He, we ended up having a good dialogue, which is really at the end of the day, my heart now. I didn't mm-hmm. used to be. I, I used to be more aggressive my own in my own. That's a long story, but um, it, it ended up being really a, a, a good time for all of us, and cer- certainly the the debate was real um, evenly weighed. Um, the way it ended up being, and, and to where, you know, at the at the end of the day, this took all the attention away from all the people that were going. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you, this, you this created, ended up being you created such, like a smokescreen for everybody it else. Ended up being kinda, that just yeah. because it got you know to where you know they just were everybody was focused on this long talk, and so uh, but but more to me it was a confirmation from that point. You know, I, I've definitely from that point known that that's what I'm supposed to be doing, and so. What ended up happening from that point, and this is the part I was concerned about saying, is that so I said, okay, yes, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to pursue this music career. Well, I the, literally the next after the first, we had an event, and after the first conversion of to faith at our event, I lost a good portion of hearing my left ear, and so, so I'm thinking, you know, gosh, I can do all this, you know, and. Uh, and it was a nerve damage, and so it ends up being to where you know I thought I got you know clogged in my ear. No, it's it's permanent and it still oh, is. And wow. so I lost the ability to hear even in stereo, which here I am now. And so, uh, wow. 
um, which interestingly enough hasn't affected my production, but I think that's a blessing of God. But I, t- I hear totally different now. But I knew that it was one of those things to where, you know, we all expect God to enable us to do what he asked us to do. Here he's asking me to do what I thought was more. Uh, but in answering his call to do audio and video to do this ministry, I've lost part of my hearing and, a, and my sight's gone terribly bad. And it's I not connected. Like it's not connected in any way. It's more of a. I mean, it's not like because you accepted mm. the ministry. These it's so I can rely on God. It, it, it is, and that, and, and, and I own it, and and I. It's just an interesting thing because this isn't the story you'd make up to try to proclaim. You know, God called me to do this. Right. It, it to me is it was like every other story that I read in the Bible to where, you know. It's it's just not the way that good stories seem to that are designed to sell people work. He calls me to do something, and then and I lose hear. my father, who would be the guy I would go to for anything mm. like this. Mm. Uh, you know, who you know, as far as faith and science work, there's no better. Well, I've had him my whole life. When I start a ministry, I lose him. I lose my hearing, which is a big faculty I need, you know, in my left ear, partial, I should say, Yeah, which is a big faculty that And you said necessary. your sight, you're also now and wearing glasses? And then my sight has dropped drastic. Like, I, I, when I read uh, scripts now, my my font is 20 and it's blurred oh. without, yeah. <laughs> and, and I know that this is a... This audio, is all new to... Well, this is an audio podcast. There's no yeah. video, but Daryl does not look like the kind of guy you would expect to have bad eyesight. And, yeah, and I right. mean, uh, not, all, not an old, old-looking individual, so... Yes. Um, uh, Justin's uh, exiting stage right over here. He's got to go uh, do a thing at his child's school. Yeah, but uh, so I'll oh, yeah. I'll end it off with uh, with Daryl here. What would be kind of your encouragement uh, in a couple ways? For one, just as a Christian who is in small business, like what's you know of of really staying strong in your faith on a on a day to day basis as you are performing your your kind of daily business functions. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what's what's something that's kind of uh, held you through that? And then also because you're, uh, you know, because a lot of people, they, they want to do ministry. Maybe they want to launch a ministry or something like that. But they don't have the financial resources. They don't have the time. They obviously, they, they, they have to, they got to eight to five. They got to put food on the table. But you're, you're kind of doing both as well. And so maybe kind of take us take us into into both of those if you don't mind like what's your what what, what would be your your kind of daily encouragement to christian small business leaders okay first of all in this world and i've learned this and you've heard this a lot this will be a bit trite but just honoring your word about calling back i mean right off the bat you separate yourself up in this world where so many people say hey you know let's talk tomorrow let's grab lunch or whatever you can rise above 80% of those people by actually having that lunch, by calling back when you say you're going to call back at 10 o'clock. You call back at 10 o'clock, not 10.01. Wow. I'm telling you what that says to people. If you consistently are the guy who doesn't just throw out a phrase, you know, hey, we'll get back to you. You actually get back when you say you're going to get back to the minute. That that screams a difference in your quality of person, in your work ethic, and there's just not a lot of that out there these days. And I'm just, and, and, you know, of course, in my in my business, that really shows just because you've got a lot of flaky artist types. And so you, it just, you really stand out. But I believe in it across the board, and not just as something that shows you know, ethics in their their business, but also as a as a Christian that stands out to where your word is your word. 
And so on on the daily walk, uh, that's a big part of it. The other part is is that yeah, this is huge. a business that's full of ups and downs, and and to where not every situation or answer that you get from a client is going to be the right one. But being the person who still maintains a relationship with that person, uh, whether the good the be- the news is good or bad, whether you get the client or not that you still in some way find a way to speak into their life, believe me, that's huge. It's not only huge in that that's what we're called to do, it's huge in the fact that it could likely get you business from that person in the future because, again, you're standing out uh, above the rest in your dealings with people. And that's another thing that I try to do. It's like, you know, even if it's not something I can take, I try to leave some kind of an eternal mark or something in that conversation to where, you know, I speak in their life or I say something that is meaningful that they just haven't heard. Because every single person, I don't care who it is, has something hard they're going through. Yeah. And to speak to that, and, and I say this honestly, and, and it's not a manipulation tactics because it's something we're called to do. It ends up being a really great way to do business because people like to be around people like that. They like to do business with people like that that are speaking past, you know, your typical business transaction dynamic. They're speaking into ev- the fact that, you know, everyone has this need that you know something going on in their life and someone to ask about it or something, you know. Yeah, and, and you're showing what you're doing is yeah. for one, you're on the one hand and not that these are like on one side or the other. On the one hand, you're you're doing something that is uh, really a kind of lost popularity, which is keep your word. I right. mean, keeping your word. Like you say yeah. you're going to do something, you, you do it. I mean, and barring some you know national disaster or yeah. something like that, and you and you treat your word for for what it is 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 highly valuable. But then you're you're showing. I mean, really, it's it's loving your neighbor. Mm-hmm. You know, we were made for love. We were made to give love. We were made to receive love. Yeah. And and even if it's not a full out gospel presentation, but if you're able to show love to them through your your words your you know, you know leave mm-hmm. like what you said like an eternal mark mm-hmm. i mean that's that's huge for people i could see that especially i mean especially in the industry where you're in where a lot of these guys are coming in from very difficult backgrounds that are then you know expressing yeah. that difficult background mm-hmm. and you're you're in a kind of a unique position i would say in some ways to be able to interact with them on on those ideas that they put onto paper from their past experiences. And, and, and what it inadvertently does is it's interesting because it also sets you up as different than the other people they're talking to. Yeah. And you're remembered. And so that's not the primary reason for doing it, but it, it just does it. I yeah. mean, it, 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 it's, a, it's almost like a business tactic that you're doing, trying to do the right thing that ends up being a di- business tactic and that you stand out when p- those people are thinking about the other people or the other prospects they have. You stand out as different in that criteria, that decision-making process for them. Yeah, it's 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 incredible. I remember, I remember, my wife's mom sent us a uh, one of those great courses, business videos, mm-hmm. uh, DVD or whatever. Back when you know we yeah. used DVDs, and I remember watching it. And he was and the guy that was teaching, really smart guy, a lot of good stuff that he was saying. I'm really it it was really good. But what I <laughs> I I found myself just in awe of the fact that the that he was basically preaching the New Testament without knowing that he was preaching <laughs> the New Testament. He was talking about the way you deal with people. He was talking about, I mean, essentially, ta- interesting. Yeah. It, it was fascinating. I'm like, you had 
had to to be read some of your Bible, but it was like these these ancient truths that we've got in in the Bible. He's basically putting forward as as cutting edge business strategy, mm-hmm. and I because I think so much of it comes down to how you treat people. If you can make people uh, feel good, feel loved, and feel like that that you're uh, that uh, they're important to you, I mean that makes a that, that makes that makes a huge distance. This I feel like I was getting preached to from the great courses, you know, this Harvard business professor, yeah. whoever he was, you know. So it was it was fascinating. Now, wh- what about those who you know maybe they have a passion for ministry, some kind of niche, whether it's apologetics or something like that. They're you know, obviously they they they're working a regular working a regular job, uh, but they do have a passion for ministry. What would you? Uh, how would you advise them to go go about really kind of seeing those passion? passions uh, fulfilled or kind of walked out? Uh, That's a tough one to where you have a lot of people that feel like God told them to do something. And, and that just deciding if that is the case versus what you want is the, one of the toughest things about the human condition that Christians face. Right. Absolutely. And it's almost like that you say, well, a lot of times throughout the Bible, when God calls somebody to do something, it's not the easiest route. It's not the thing they wanted to do. You know, the way God approached Moses, the, you know, the disciples, he was calling in out of comfort zones. And so my first, you know, my, my first advice to that, and this is based on my own experience, is that if you are being called, quote, called into something that you already want to do, then the, the, the complete over, you know, overstatement of this would be, you know, I'm called to date this blue eyed, you know, <laughs> hot girl. You know what I mean? You know, it, I feel the calling. Yeah, I feel yes, the calling. Yes. It's it's almost in that world to where you know, um, there's going to be. I feel like if you use the Bible as your example, there's going to be some friction on the call, a uh, call of God on your life against what you kind of want, to an extent. Yes, I believe He gives us you know g- general interest and desires to do what we're good at that He calls us into, but there's going to be some kind of a there's going to be some kind of a sacrifice in one way or another. I think. Most of the time, at least that could be a criteria for deciding if God has called you into this ministry, that it's going to require something of you that you're going to have to give, right? Yeah, and, and especially in this day and age where we, you can literally kind of create your own ministry in 10 minutes, get a YouTube yeah. channel, get Facebook and all yes. of this, and you know, you, you can pretty much do what you want and what yeah. at least is perceived as a, as a public way. If So I, kind of what you're saying is that if, if we can just... If we have this ideal of what we would want to do for God, and kind of walking into that is exactly everything that we want, yes, that could be a bit circumspect as to whether or not right it, that's the actual call of God, right? And, and it doesn't mean it's wrong. It doesn't mean it's something that you don't want right. to do, and that you know it's something that 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 we great and fun for your life. But you know this is it's different to where when you call something a call of God a ministry. So that's that, and and I can't say equivocally say that that is true that that's the way it works. But I say that's a good way to check. And then as far as pursuing it. My concept is always smarter, not harder. And, and when you get into any ministry, and I fight this every day, it's, it's putting away your, uh, you know, your idiosyncrasies and the way you want to do things versus what the overall call of, the, of, of what God wants you to do really is. And I do that with RDUF all the time. And, and a good example of that is if I'm creating a video for something, well, my focus becomes the quality of the video or how I'm going to do this or what lighting, where God's call on that video is the message. 
Yes. And so, well, that's, you know, the message, that's almost secondary to me. Well, that's not the point of it. And so you keep focused on what is the overall uh, objective of this ministry that he's called you to and take yourself out of that. And 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 sometimes you've got to think smarter, not harder within, you know, the realm of trying to figure out, uh, you know, what you're going to do that week or that month with that ministry. And then also, you know, um, you're going to have to take steps of faith for him to provide for you. I think people don't do that enough. You know, it's like, well, if it's going to be God's call, then this is going to happen. No, I think you take a step when it comes to ministry, and then he f- he fills in the blanks. Like, you know, with me, I have to live like that with with hearing and eyesight. I mean, the when you're doing an audiovisually based ministry and you know your faculties in those areas are compromised you you know you're you've got to follow god wow and, i and mean so, how much more i mean right. what, what irony that yes. you know i mean and i think that story just pretends pertains to everybody it's kind of like that's yeah. kind of where we need to be you know if we're doing it the right way and we're relying on god we kind of have to be you know uh, our pastor told us a story about um i couldn't remember the details but it was uh one of the um guys that Jesus called who who accepted, I'm going to mess this up and I can't remember, but anyway, Jesus' answer to it, or God's answer to to this was to uh, dislocate the guy's, you know, joint, and rather than, you know, make him able to do the mission, he had, he actually was disabled from that point on after a call was made in his life, and, uh, and that, uh, I think you're talking about Jacob wrestling Jacob, with Jacob, God. Jacob, that's where yeah. it was, yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And, um, I, and 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 I have known Jacob's story, and I just had not thought about the whole dislocating his joint. Yeah, because it doesn't say he put him back together right. after that, yeah. right? Right. Yes. And, and so, um, and that's exactly what it was. Huh, I never thought about that. That's and, interesting. Yeah. yeah, and I've heard that story my whole life. Yeah, I mean, that that part of it just stuck out to me with the wow. story. And so uh, that was uh, that was something that that kind of really you know pertains to me. But so anyway, that. Going back to ministry, I think that's kind of the way uh, we need to approach when we say that God has called us into a ministry is that we need reliance on Him, smarter, not harder, and we got to make sure that that's the call, you know. So, it, and it's not yeah. it, it's not it's not supposed to necessarily all be fun. And and the answer to if God is involved, is it fun? Is it fulfilling? No, not necessarily. That if that's your criteria for saying that God is working with me on this, I that's not a good that's not a good measuring point. Yeah, I mean, how fun was it to take the bull into the temple and you know carry the bull and and walk, yeah. uh, you know how many hundreds of kilometers of where y- you might yes. be, right? And then have to to go there and take the bull and to kill it, you know, bring it on the altar. and You know, yeah. I mean, it was a rather gruesome process. Right. And fortunately, we don't have to do that anymore. But it, it is. It is this idea that if I'm doing ministry, then it's going to be fun and just full of life, and it's going to be all of this. And I think we need to pay more attention when we read the New Testament, when we read mm-hmm. church history, yeah. even when we look at what's going on in different parts of the world today. I mean, people are yeah, obviously suffering intensely mm-hmm. in many parts of the world for, for their faith, even being crucified and yes. that kind of stuff. And so I think you're right. Now, that being said, you know, obviously the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, right. that there are, you know, obviously we are going to experience God as, oh, as yeah. we are following Him. We're going to experience that yeah. joy and some fulfillment, but we we need to have realistic expectations of of ministry, um, and it's it's very easy here in America to, to have un- unrealistic expectations, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah, no, I I agree. So let's uh, let's end off on on this. 
let's uh, I know we kind of teased this at the beginning mm-hmm. uh, but uh, yourself mm-hmm. as well as uh, Melissa Travis, mm-hmm. Dr. Melissa Travis, who is an HBU professor, you guys are starting a show here on the CGM Radio Network. We've gone long, so we, uh, we can only really talk about it for about about a minute, but maybe if you would kind of uh, just give us a, a brief intro, and of course, there'll be uh, more to come on that in the future, but just kind of the, the idea and, and the vision behind the, the show. It, it, the the idea is to have a show that we as Christians that we tackle cultural you know issues uh, questions on the existence of God and the intersection between science and faith that we have co- conversations about this that are informed not you know we obviously got a professor here on the show they're not only uh, informed from science and you know philosophy and logic but that they're relevant to what's going on in people's lives. And we wanted to kind of create a podcast that kind of hits all that to where we can look at a topic and we can inform it with what we believe God has given to us with logic and critical thinking, um, but at the same time into a context to where it's relevant to the average person's life, that you don't have to be, you know, um, a scholastic to get it, to where we're, you know, having real conversations. And, you know, one thing that, that... um, Melissa and myself, and I know you share, is that uh, the kind of the concept to where, as Christians, we don't have to live in this uh, this just this whole concept in the world that that as Christians we have to leave logic and reason at the door um, in order to have conversations about it. That's that to to me that's one of the biggest lies going on in our society. And this this podcast will kind of go against that to where dismantle it, it that. Will. that. It really will. is ludicrous. It will. It will. We believe that reason. And critical thinking actually are you know synergistic with belief in God, and that we want to show that you know in the the way that we talk about topics and and current events. Well, that's great. I'm I'm thrilled that it's happening. So uh, we're going to be uh, filming that in in the next month or so, and. Uh, probably the best way to be alerted is subscribe to this podcast, Big Tech Small Biz. You can also subscribe to CGM Radio uh, if you uh, go to, excuse me, your kind of favorite uh, podcast podcasting app. Just look up CGM Cross Network Global Media Radio, and uh, you'll be alerted there as well. And uh, Daryl, how can people, if people want to get in contact with you for either Rational Defense of Faith, yeah. for Duotone Productions, for music production, the work you do, what's the best way for people to get in contact with you mm-hmm. and also to follow you on social media or wherever you're at? Um, the Facebook page is RDOF Events, and RDOF is, you know, for Rational Defense of Faith, so R-D-O-F. And so it's RDOF events at Facebook. And then uh, if you want to email me personally, it's Daryl, which is D-A-R-Y-L, again, at rdof.org. Excellent. Excellent. Well, uh, well, Daryl, it has been an absolute pleasure. So thank you so much for taking time. I know it's a busy schedule. Thank you for taking time out of your schedule to join us. It's been, it's been fascinating. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you. Me too. Enjoyed it. All right, thanks, guys. Well, that will do it for this episode of Big Tech Small Biz. If you want to email myself and Justin, you can do so, bigtechs at cgmradio.com. I'll have links to uh, all of that in the show notes. I'll have links to uh, Daryl's social media channels and website, uh, as well as any other pertinent information, such such as music we've done that we talked about earlier. And that will do it. So thank you guys again for joining us, and we'll see you next time.